From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hey everybody, welcome to the Anxiety Project podcast number 18. This one is all about my past, my history dealing with anxiety, dealing with health anxiety and agoraphobia, and my childhood and how I went and developed an anxiety disorder. And the last part of this podcast, I'm just going to go into detail what the Anxiety Project is all about and what you can expect to find on the Anxiety Project website. So diving right into it, I grew up in Pickering, Ontario, and that is east of Toronto. I grew up here my whole life, pretty much, and I had a very good childhood. Looking back, I was very grateful. I am very grateful for the 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 childhood I had. And I had a lot of toys. I got a lot of things I, that I wanted. I was very, very fortunate enough to have parents that gave me toys and things that I wanted. And the thing is, is that I always wanted the next best thing. And this is when, you know, one thing became boring and then the next thing became interesting. I always wanted the newest thing. And, you know, obviously that's quite an issue, um, especially later in life when you grow up, you know, you're constantly looking for the next best thing. So that kind of stemmed from my childhood. I was always looking for the next best thing. I was never grateful for the limited amount of things. I always got one thing after another. And I I started having anxiety when I was eight or nine, around that age, I had a panic attack when I was watching uh, Mission Impossible with my parents down in the basement. And I ran upstairs, put my head in between my legs, and my heart was racing. I was feeling dizzy, um, a little bit shaky. And I was scared of my health. I was actually thinking, like, what is happening to me? Um, Am I going to die? And my parents came up, and I was so confused. And they were like, you know, you're just having some anxiety. The, The movie is intense, and that's what's going on. So I got myself together. I took some deep breaths. And then I went back down and watched the rest of the movie. And that was the very first panic attack I ever experienced. And then going forward, I started to have anxiety when I was sleeping at night. For instance, I would be up bouncing on my bed in a worrisome state, not in a playful state. I was worried that I was not going to get enough sleep for tomorrow that I was not going to function properly the next day. So I had these beliefs within me that 
when it came to sleep that not getting enough sleep equaled uh, not being able to function and and feeling crappy the next day. So that started when I was young as well. I I then you know always looking for the next best thing. I always I always gravitated towards like negative friends. I always gravitated towards um, getting into mischief and 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 like always wanting to do something new all the time, never satisfied with what I have right here in front of me, but always trying to explore somewhere different or um, take the next drug or something like that. I wasn't into many drugs, just marijuana. And I'll get to that in a, in a minute. But going into high school, high school, I started to form my identity and really who I was, you know, shy, skinny, weak. And a lot of that comes from other people, you know, bigger kids usually get called like Big Dave and stuff like that. And your identity forms and my identity was shy, skinny, um, weak and that really held weight under me because like when presentations would come about I would be sensitized I would get panicky sensations I would always get panicky sensations when a great amount of workload would be assigned to me and because I was always afraid of what if I I don't I don't really know how to do this you know, what if I won't, I don't finish this on in time? How am I going to get all of this done? So in high school, there was a lot of pressure and I really felt that pressure. I was really sensitized to it. And I did not like that. And looking back, the whole curriculum and the whole structure of high school is awful it's awful because of the pressure students are under and the amount of work you have to do. It's like not only do you have to go to school for, I don't know, like seven hours a day, something, seven, eight hours a day, but then after school you got to go home and you got to work your ass off to get that work done, to get that homework done. It's absolutely insane. And the crazy thing about high school is that you don't remember 80% of the things that you learned in high school. And why do you think that? Why do you think that it goes in one ear and out the other? Because most of the classes do not apply to the, the, the end job you end up getting and, and life itself. And it's very sad. It's very sad. And looking back, I just went through the motions of getting this assignment done, getting that assignment done, and just trying to pass each class so I can move on. Because there's that pressure of if you don't move on, then you're going to be stuck behind and all of your friends will be going forward. And I did very well in high school, but I 
basically just went through the motions. You know, it just, I just went and did it just because I had to do it to move on to the next one, the next assignment and the next, um, the next uh, year, you know, that's, it's pretty much um, the, the journey through high school and just putting up with the nonsense and, and trying to get along and fit in with the other kids. And it's, it's just, we're not taught valuable life lessons. We're not taught how to meditate. We're not taught in school how to prepare for the death of a loved one. We're not taught how to prepare for um, financial crisis, being in debt. We're not taught how to deal with illnesses that could accumulate or like healthy eating habits that are important, you know. And it's, it's sad. And these are the things, these are the tools that people need. People need to, to have an instruction manual on the parts of the brain and how it functions. And going through my anxiety disorder in my 20s, and learning about the parts of the brain, learning about the amygdala, learning about the cortex, and learning about the uh, sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, I, I, it opened my eyes to like, oh my God, you know, I was not taking care of anything. I was not taking care of my spiritual self. I was, I didn't know that my body functioned this way and my anxiety was caused by this and by that and the amygdala's fight, flight, and freeze response because I was never taught this. I had to teach myself. And that's what I'm saying when it comes to schooling is that the curriculum is god-awful because we're not taught these essential tools, the how our brains function and how our body functions and how to deal with this stuff. We're just taught, oh, go to chemistry, go to science, go to geography, go to history, go to baking class, go to gym class. And it's like the teachers are not passionate about their work. And I remember Neil deGrasse Tyson on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he made a good point where it's like, out of all the teachers you have throughout all of your schooling, how many were great influencers on your life? And he's like, not many, probably one or two, if that. And he's absolutely right. No one has passion for teaching. I, in all of my days at school, I didn't have a teacher that stood out and had an impact on me and influenced me in a great and positive way because teachers, I felt they were just doing their job. They had a structure of lessons. They did the lessons. They assigned the work. They, they assigned the chapters of the textbook. And that's that. There's no, no, no passion. There's no passion so this is, this is the programming that we're under that just, that, that just um, affects 
the anxiety and depression, especially going into your 20s, because we're just programmed. Like, it's almost, it's almost ridiculous. If you think about it, it's ridiculous. And then after that, I went straight into college to do film stuff, because the only class I somewhat enjoyed in high school was filmmaking and making videos. I was very creative, and I, I loved getting in touch with my creative side. And that's the only reason why I went into film school. I felt, I felt cool. I felt good making, uh, making mini movies, projects, music videos. And so I did that in college for three years. And that was another experience. My identity still stayed with me. I was still shy. And the college workload was still similar where, you know, there was some useless classes in there that made no sense to filmmaking and what I wanted to do. And that was strange. That was like, looking back, I'm like, why would they have those certain classes? That doesn't make sense. They had like propaganda and I was learning about World War II propaganda, which is interesting to some extent, but I just wanted to make movies and like, and that added to the workload. My movie projects slacked on some level because there was a lot of pressure uh, from the workload that I, I didn't, there wasn't enough time to make high-end quality projects. I did, though, make a couple high-quality projects, which turned out really well. But my anxiety at this time through college was I didn't I didn't have any panic but my identity was still shy I was still very shy and uh, closed off and I was never really open and at this time I was involved in my first relationship that lasted four years and that was a very toxic relationship not just from her but also from myself because um I, she was also a negative person that I attracted into my life because, like I said before, I was attracting negative people. I attracted, I, I attracted one friend that influenced negative thinking, I, and he, he um, you know, was addicted to marijuana, and he always wanted to break into places and, and do things and, and have fires and slack off and all of this stuff. And I, I hung around him for almost 10 years, nine years. And he, his, his friendship and my ex who I was in a relationship for four years, both of them had anxiety. Both, both of them had depression and bad childhoods and I was hanging around them more than any of the other positive influential people. Now think about that for a second. How if I'm hanging around these people and I'm in a relationship with somebody who has anxiety, depression, and negative thinking patterns and all of this stuff, and I'm with a friend who has the same thing. He has anxiety, anger problems he has um, addictions to weed and sex and um, 
always wants to play video games and he wants to just watch movies and not really do anything. And I gravitated towards these people. Now, that the stress from that unhealthy relationship, the stress of being with him in public places where he was acting like a fool, and that just added to the anxiety. And I started to smoke marijuana all the time. I started to, you know, have a few drinks here and there and not really do anything productive, sit in front of the TV. And this, after college, it got worse and worse where I was working um, part-time at an editing place, editing, uh, uh, I was editing commercials for a TV channel and uh, promos. I was editing promos as well. And at this time, the job wasn't fulfilling. And at the time, I used marijuana to cope. I was um, eating junk foods, you know, burgers, fries, a lot, and watching a lot of pornography, which, mind you, I have a I have a beef with pornography. I, I do not watch pornography now, but I used to. And, it, and pornography has a such a negative inf- impact on my life. It was an, another addiction along with all my other unhealthy addictions. And I really, really do not like pornography. I do not watch it anymore. I... And, but that was part of the addictions, you know, addiction to to these uh, junk foods, addictions to the pornography, addictions to the um, marijuana and and putting band-aids on on things, right? And and that that whole time in my life is when my anxiety got worse. and my I started to have panic attacks further into that relationship, that four-year toxic relationship, I got a panic attack again in the mall. And that stemmed into more uh, panic attacks down the road. And then after that relationship was over, through a lot of stress and fighting and, and you know, and making up and then breaking up again, it was, you know, I didn't really know who I was and what I really wanted. I didn't really know um, I just I just held on to that identity of being uh, shy, and then I started to add things into my life, um, ne- other uh, negative identities. I start I started to think that you know, you know, I'm twenty I'm twenty five now, and I've I've I'm I'm not in my I'm nowhere in my life that I want to be. I'm not happy. I am having panic attacks, I'm stressed out, uh, I have uh, bursts of anger way too often, and uh, I'm just causing a lot of conflict with people, and I'm like, okay, this, I, I, I don't know what to do. I was so confused because I didn't know any other way of being. All I knew was to be in a negative frame of mind, you know, to be with that friend and talk about how bad the day was, how bad life is going, you know, like, you know, like trying to figure out uh, what to do in life and then procrastinating and then smoking weed. And it was just 
that cycle kept rolling in my 20s and it just kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. And eventually it got so bad that when I was 26, I had a huge breakdown where I started to, my anxiety disorder got worse. And when I say worse, I mean, I had panic attacks at nighttime. I woke up in the middle of the night. Um, I couldn't function in public, so I stayed home a lot, agoraphobia. And then I I was um, I was avoiding situations and people. And I couldn't I couldn't get out of bed and I, I was lacking sleep and I was I was uh, uh, um, not eating enough food. And then I was not giving back to myself. And it was, it was so bad that I got health anxiety where I thought I was ill. I thought I had problems with my kidneys at one point. I had pains in my sides. I had um, multiple doctor visits. And that was uh, so bad that I decided to change. And that's when my recovery started when I was 26 and I, I reached rock bottom. And at this time I had a new relationship and she is amazing. And I'm still currently with her right now because she stuck through that period and that recovery phase in my life. And, and, you know, we almost ended the relationship because I was, going through hell and I couldn't maintain that relationship with her, but she managed to stick around and she's still here and I love her for that. And she's amazing. And, and I'm very grateful that I made it and that I took responsibility for my anxiety. That was the biggest thing. I took responsibility because I knew that, you know, nothing is going to change. I knew when I was going through my anxiety disorder, nothing is going to change unless I do something. And then I said, no more. That's it. I had enough. Never again. And then change began. When I put my foot down and I decided no more, not ever that I took responsibility for my disorder, for my life, where I was. I, I couldn't do another day. There's no way. So I started to change. Just taking that first step, taking responsibility, and the learning process began. I became a student of anxiety. And that's where it began, the shift. Because it's only when you take responsibility, things start to change. And that is crucial. I worked on all of these film sets I got to the point in my film career where, where I wanted to be. 
I, I got into the camera union. I started working on amazing shows, movie sets. But I went through this whole anxiety disorder. My passion was anxiety. Anxiety found me. So working in film didn't fulfill me the way helping other people fulfilled me. So I became a CBT coach. Then I became a RIC coach. Now I work in NLP. These tools are used to help people desensitize themselves and create new neural pathways in the brain that associate old anxious negative thinking patterns with new positive uplifting thinking patterns. It's all about changing the old identity. That identity you currently have that's causing your anxiety, that's making you say to yourself, I'm weak, I'm useless, I'm too fat, I'm too shy, I'm too skinny. This is, these thoughts are holding you back. And CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, is designed to help you rewire your thinking patterns naturally. No medications, because people who take medications, they numb the amygdala with medications. And what happens when you numb the amygdala with medications? Well, the amygdala is the fight, flight, and freeze response. It holds on to those fearful events, those anxious events that you don't want to go do or, 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 or experience. And when you numb that amygdala, it's not going to do you any good in the future. It's only when you do repeated exposure to the negative events and start perceiving those things thoughts and catastrophic thinking patterns differently is only when change starts to happen. That's when change happens, okay? And it's important to understand that. And CBT is using multiple techniques to desensitize your yourself from those fearful events. And it changes your thinking patterns through repetitive Actions, for instance, the elastic band technique works well when a, a negative, fearful thought comes into your head. You slap the elastic band on your wrist and then you use rational thinking to combat that thought. And then what happens when you combat that thought? You start to perceive that old limiting thought differently. And when you replace an old negative thought with a new positive thought, and you do that over a long period of time, what happens? Well, the more you practice it, the more it becomes a natural habit. The more you just automatically do it. And that's what CBT is all about. So that is basically my, my journey in a nutshell. <laughs> and... I do have other podcasts before, you know, my powerful anxiety story one, two, and three, where I talk a lot more about certain situations with anxiety uh, in my life. But 
The Anxiety Project, I created this because it's my passion. I love to help people who went through similar experiences that I went through. And me overcoming it and and getting certified in all of these, the NLP and the CBT and the RIC, I use this to help people structure their recovery. And it's just crucial to know that the, re- the resource of the Anxiety Project is here for you who is struggling with anxiety and depression. And you can go on the website at unpluganxiety.com, listen to all the podcasts and the videos, and read the blog posts, and do the one-on-one coaching with me so you can overcome this anxiety naturally without the use of medication because those medications will just numb your amygdala and you won't be able to rewire your brain because if your amygdala is numb, how are you going to create new neural pathways in the brain and and overcome this anxiety? It's all about repeated exposure. Through repeated exposure, you can create new neural pathways, new positive, strong neural pathways. And that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I have so much fun and I love talking about this subject, especially with you guys, because it's it's important that we understand where our anxiety comes from and how we develop it through social labels, through uh, identity and beliefs that were formed, especially when we're children, because when we're children, our sponges are so... Um, Uh, our brains are like sponges is what I'm trying to say. And when our brains are like sponges, we absorb all of this information because we have no rational thinking when we're, we're young. We don't question things. We just absorb everything. So through the ages of zero and 10, we develop certain beliefs, certain identities that later affect us even into our 20s. When that old voice that... 10-year-old voice that we still have starts being fearful and and starts running negative thinking patterns, we don't know how to combat that. And that's why the Anxiety Project is here, because now we can combat it through different techniques and tools. That's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already and leave a comment. I want to know what's going on out there. I want to know what you think of the podcast and subscribe to the YouTube channel and post your comments there because I want to answer every one of those comments. And if you want me to talk about a subject, please leave a comment and I'll do a podcast on it. So that's it, guys. Have a great day. Do not let your anxiety define who you are. Bye-bye. For more podcast episodes, for more video content, and one-on-one coaching with me via Skype, visit www.unpluganxiety.com 
for everything you need to know about ending anxiety. I love you all and have a great day. Bye-bye.